This is Podco Media Networks. Hi, Global Citizens. Welcome back. You won't guess where I am for this episode of Global Citizens. I'm in Iceland. And I'm with the curator and founder of the All Things Iceland podcast. She's Jules Chambers, and she's a native Brooklynite, but now an Icelander. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'd say that. (laughs) Jules, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Excited to be here. Tell us more about you. Well, as you mentioned, I'm from Brooklyn, born and raised, lived there for 30 years before moving to Iceland. And of course, the question I always get is why, right? It's like, even Icelandic people are like, why would you move from New York to Iceland? It's so bizarre. But the main reason is my husband is Icelandic and we met in the States. And long story short, we had a beautiful love story that ended us in Iceland. And, you know, granted, this love story is continuing. But but in essence, we have been building a life here for the past three years and some change. And I love it because of learning about Iceland and just kind of my way of acclimating to the culture and getting used to all the odd things that I would see and and notice, I decided to start the podcast as a way of sharing from my experience. Mm -hmm. So there's many things, but I also work in Iceland as a professional in marketing, as the chief digital and strategy officer for an advertising agency. And so I balance my life between full-time working there, the podcast, home, family life, and everything right. And adventures in Iceland, of course. Sure. And there's a lot of adventures to be had here, of course. Tell us a little bit more about your background and more about your inspiration. What inspires you? Background-wise, I don't know if you want to talk about my family, but Mm. (laughs) I just come from a super supportive family. Even though my father, unfortunately, isn't alive any longer. Foundational-wise, when I was a child growing up, we were just always very supported. Even though we were growing up in Bushwick, in Brooklyn, in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, right? So 80s and 90s, really turbulent Crack was a huge problem. Right. And just the epidemic of the deterioration of society, black society or brown society mm-hmm. in general in these neighborhoods. So having a mom who was actually from upstate New York in Rochester, which was an affluent city at that time, mm-hmm. and her coming down to New York and being shocked <laughs> by like I can imagine. garbage on the streets right. and people doing crack and all these things and having to build a family and make sure they're safe, but also giving them the experiences of New York. Right. I think that's one of the main inspirations for me is my mom, how she kind of made the best out of where she was and treated New York like it was her playground. It was not a place where she had to just keep her children in the house and safe. It was, there's so many things happening in New York City. Let's go and do these things. Let's explore. Sure. And along the way, she brought other kids. So my mom and my parents, together, they started an after-school program, that then rolled into a summer camp program. So all year long, they were servicing the neighborhood. And my mom learned to write grants in order to like feed the kids. And wow. Yeah, it was just like my mom, in essence, became this neighborhood mother. And so all the kids went to places in New York City. They would have probably never gone because yeah. of maybe finances sure. or just not feeling like they belonged there. Mm-hmm. And seeing a black woman 
who was taking all of like maybe 30 kids to, you know, right. a science museum in New York City or to the lighting of the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. Everything in life to me seemed like there were no limits. I belonged there just like everybody else. And we were there having a great time. And this has always just been instilled in me. So in some way, even as a kid, I felt like a global citizen. And it's so interesting because I meet, working in education in New York, I meet kids who are from Brooklyn who'd never been to Harlem. Right. So your mother was doing that in the 80s, but even now in the the late 1900s. (laughs) 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 When I'm still meeting people who live that life, it just, it speaks volumes to the pockets of, I guess, confinement that people still live in. Yeah. And it's really based on what you believe you deserve. Mm -hmm. And that part, I think, has always been sad to me is, you know, there are people who still I know who've really never gone off their block. Yep. And it's just like the world is so open to you, but they don't believe that they're worthy even of it or that if they go there, they'll belong. And so there's a a lot to, I think, how you are nurtured. And Mm -hmm. my mom and dad, thankfully, were just these people who wanted to uplift us, but also throw you out there and be like, you know, make it for yourself. What, What do you want this experience to be? Sure. So we know you're here in Iceland and we know your story of how you got here. But maybe let's take a step back and understand kind of why the where mm-hmm. beyond just, you know, you finding a partner and getting married, like you could still be in New York That's or you true. could be anywhere in the world. So why exactly the where for, for Iceland? When I came to visit, granted, I didn't know much about Iceland when Gunnar told me that he's A, from Iceland, and that he plans to move back there when we first got together. As soon as he said that I'm planning to move back home, I was like, okay, I'll go. <laughs> it was, I didn't even think about it. I didn't look up anything. I didn't uh-huh. go like, how long is it going to take me to get there from New York? Or <laughs> what's the weather like? Like everyone else, I assumed Iceland was this barren, cold, desolate, don't want to live there. Why would you live there type of place? Sure. And when I started to visit, that's when things started clicking for me. I started mm-hmm. having this... And a lot of people get this. It's a magnetic attraction to this place. There's mm-hmm. something for some people mm-hmm. when you come here that it's just, wow, this place is amazing. And there's other people it's just like, no, never. I would never live here, you know? And it's polar opposite place in a way. It contradicts itself. It's mm-hmm. fire and ice mm-hmm. in the same place and things mm-hmm. are happening all the time. And it helped a lot that since I'm really family oriented, he is as well. And when I met his mother, she gave me the warmest, best hug I've ever had from a stranger. In essence, a stranger. But in that moment, she became no longer a stranger. She treated me like her child. His whole family treated me like I was just part of the family. And he told me later on that his family was like, don't mess this up. And then when my family came again, like his family was just so receptive sure. to them. And I was like, I wasn't, you know, this black girl from Brooklyn. I'm Jules, right? And like my identity, of course, and how I grew up does help in terms of how I see myself in the world. But for the most part in Iceland, how I feel is I'm Jules. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the same burden of being an African-American or being a black person mm. in the United States mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can go to some other countries and you really feel it. Sure. I'm right. not saying that Icelandic people can't be biased or discriminate. Right. right. That hasn't been my experience for the most part. Uh-huh. You know, I've, I've been stared at, but I've never seen it as hostile. Hmm. 
I've been to other places where I was sure. like, I don't know what the, you know what I mean? Like I felt a little bit like yeah. on the defensive. Right. But here for the most part, I've always felt like, oh, they're, they're really curious, you know, especially the kids yeah. because they just don't have any filter, right? They're looking and it's, if you interact with them, then they smile. But I said, sure. kids start out with like the stone cold face. Yeah. <laughs> they're always like, is this kid hate me already? Like I haven't even done this. But in essence, they're just like, what is this? You're brown, right? It's like, are you chocolate? Like, they're just so curious. And I like that. And I've always felt welcomed. Okay. So Iceland didn't feel like I was going to a place where I would have to continuously fight. Like, I felt like when in the U.S. where I'd go to protest mm-hmm. about Black Lives Matter. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of acceptance of multiculturalism Mm -hmm. granted there's a lot of ignorance as well you'll Mm -hmm. get a lot of questions but at the same time they're willing to learn right so i'm also willing to participate in this because i feel like all of us are benefiting sure so that's i guess in in, you know in a roundabout way why i felt like iceland made sense for me so speaking about iceland in that way so yesterday i did one of those tours and i learned a little bit about Iceland and just some other research. So just understanding that this also was a colony. Yes. Right? So Denmark. could that be a little bit of what the open-mindedness about it is, is that they also felt like, okay, we weren't always our own people. So, you know, we welcome whomever's coming and we are in that space. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not exactly sure because it was a really harsh relationship that they've had mm-hmm. with Denmark. Like 500 years that they were ruled by the country. Even though they shifted out of that, I think when Icelandic people really started to travel more mm-hmm. and just expand, because it's so isolated here. Yes. And in like, I think it was like the 70s or something, people really started to travel a lot more mm-hmm. and start to understand that the world is a lot different than they were expecting. And since internally they were like about equality and even if they weren't really meeting people of color or people from many different backgrounds all the time, there's just this mindset around that because everyone had to work really hard everyone was poor right Mm -hmm. so it's just like Mm -hmm. you're just kind of building up the one story though that I think is super fascinating is about Hans Jonathan who's the first at least recorded black person coming to Iceland yes I actually talked to Kaure Stefansson on my podcast about this because he owns Decode Genetics and they map the genetic makeup of his ancestors in Iceland. And so just to kind of like give you perspective. So Hans Jonathan was born in the Caribbean. So his mother was an African who had been brought over to the Caribbean for slavery. And I believe it was a Danish slave master or something. And then they ended up moving. So the slave master had been probably just raping her. She ended up having a child, which was Hans Jonathan. And he ended up moving everybody to Denmark. And he died at that point in Denmark. And his wife, so the slave owner's wife. The Jamaican? No, no, this the, is just the, this is some white woman probably. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. He, yeah, so he, he had a like family, uh, you know, okay, and then it. like his slaves that he brought. Right. So she was sued this woman, this slave woman, and was like, you know, basically you slept with my husband and had a child and you should be punished. And so the thing is, they were supposed to be sent back to the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. But Han Jonathan was like, nope, not into that. I'm escaping. So he left on a ship. He didn't know where it was going. He ended up going to Iceland, to the east fjords of Iceland. And when he got there, people had never seen a person look like him before. And they were super happy. Like, Icelandic people were just like, what? Come on in. They accepted him. He became a merchant in the town. And so in the east, and he also had a lot of children. Mm -hmm. So in the east, this guy is like held up in like high esteem 
And there are people who are ancestors from him, sure. right? And when they did this genetic mapping project, they ended up, I think it was, there's was, there 700 descendants, they maybe used 180 or something. And they ended up telling people that they were descendants and people were very proud. I said people were very proud to have this blood in them. And sure. I was like, fascinating, right? So there is something yeah. about like the idea that you know, they have this mix, like it's kind of exotic to some degree. I mean, you can't tell, of course, right? Yes. But at the same time, that made me feel really like, this place is so fascinating. It's just totally different than yeah. you would expect. There's yeah. not like this crazy white supremacy attitude. Sure. There's this idea that diversity can be a very positive thing. Mm-hmm. And that's happening in so many different levels here. It's not just about, you know, your color, but also mm-hmm. about like how able your body is. Mm-hmm. If you're part of the LGBTQ community, feminism like there's so much there's so many layers that are happening all at once in Iceland Mm -hmm. and Icelandic people are big on jumping on trends Mm. like if something's Mm -hmm. happening in the US or in Europe that seems like it's pretty cool they're almost like hipsters right (laughs) they're just like they're like they're kind of like hipsters (laughs) even though they could be of any age yeah (laughs) that's how it feels it's like yeah actually I'm really into this like that makes sense equality like everyone here is equal there's not as large of a gap between the rich and the poor even though that is changing so it's like there's evolution Uh and Iceland that's happening too Uh that isn't necessarily positive as well right corruption wise that definitely exists here whereas like you have people who are super supportive of the LGBTQ community right Mm -hmm. like there's there's like these things that live together right but at the same time you're just like okay you don't want any homeless people but this person was completely irresponsible but has like millions they don't deserve that right and yet where everyone's like there shouldn't be any poor people but the idea of poor is changing because they're not necessarily poor Icelandic people all the time there are some Mm -hmm. but foreigners who come in Mm -hmm. who are willing to take a less you know amount of wage for the work right there is a gap that's happening there the equality thing doesn't always spread across everybody and and that's a global problem yes yeah it's like it's just the way of the world unfortunately now we're at our global speak mm-hmm. question. So you are a lover of languages or you're dabbling in a few languages, yeah. as you, as you say. <laughs> so we want to know what you hear. So I ask you to share a word or phrase or saying mm-hmm. that's a meaningful part of your local experience and why you came to value it as global speak. Yeah, this is funny because it's the most typical thing an Icelandic person will say if you ever ask them what their favorite word or phrase is. And I think it's basically the unofficial phrase for the nation. Uh-huh. And that is theta retas. Theta resta? Theta. Like a TH. Theta. Theta retas. Retas. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. And it basically means it will all work out in the end. Ah, yes. Right? I so, heard that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it is. It's just yeah. like, in fact, I went to this flyover Iceland thing and they have, you know. Oh, I'm going to do that. Oh, great. It's, yeah. it's really fun. Yeah. And Tataratast gets said during this presentation. Uh-huh. And because the weather is so unpredictable, because they were really poor nation, because you just never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The idea that it will just all work out. It has to. We don't have any other choice, mm-hmm. right? So if things are terrible, just know that it'll work out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that you leave everything up to chance, but you have to be flexible. Right. And for me, I definitely opposed to this when I first moved. I was like, no, no, no. I don't like this idea <laughs> that we're leaving it up to chance. I'm from New York. We were organized. We have to 
make sure and, and granted it does get stretched mm-hmm. because like when I was working strictly in tourism it's like it's like no we have to plan this better you can't just say we want to do kayaking tours now and we've never actually thought this through and sure. how much how expensive it is how we're going to run it operations services blah 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 in Iceland it's very entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and I love that that energy is what fuels me all the time mm-hmm. and the tataratas part I noticed for myself how I started to embody it was okay, we really want to do this thing today. And the, the weather, the wind is just not cooperating, right? That's just how it is. So in the end, it'll work out whether we do that specific thing this day or another day, or we allow ourselves to just let more flexibility in our life. And I say us because I'm talking about myself. Yeah. <laughs> like I have to continuously remind right. myself right. that this is just not viable for today, but it doesn't mean it's never is. And, yeah. you know, if I had plans, I need to allow myself to be open. Sure. So that part has slowly happened. I'm a little bit rigid there, mm-hmm. but that is the unofficial Icelandic. Tataratas. Tataratas, yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm getting my Iceland roles. Yeah, the R's and the Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... Let's talk a little bit more about your work. You were inspired somehow to start your podcast mm-hmm. and you are a marketing professional as mm-hmm. well. So tell us more about the actual work. Like how did you go about developing the podcast? Mm-hmm. How did you yeah. move into that space? Lots of trial and error. Okay. <laughs> that was the most fun slash frustrating part yeah. of the podcast is I didn't know anybody else who was doing it. I just mm-hmm. meaning I didn't have direct contact with anybody else doing mm-hmm. it. And of course, there are people like, you should reach out to people who are doing podcasts. And it's like, okay, no, I'm actually not going to do that. <laughs> but I did listen to a lot of podcasts. Exactly. And I was right. binge listening to like Tim Ferriss, for instance, because okay. he does a lot of interviews. And at one point I was like, what podcasts are there about Iceland? Because I wanted to listen to that, not mm-hmm. for me to make one. Mm-hmm. And as I was looking around, there weren't many podcasts in English that... I could easily follow, meaning like it would give me a perspective from where I'm coming from Mm -hmm. and also the things I wanted in podcasts. So Mm -hmm. for me, like structure wise, it's okay, we have this topic, but then there's an Icelandic word that you learn, an Icelandic word or phrase built into the podcast. I love that part of your podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I just want a taste of, you know, giving more of Icelandic what I learned to somebody else. Yeah. And I kind of wanted that too. And then yeah. like a random fact or something. And then the interviews part was like, there's mm-hmm. so many fascinating people here. Mm-hmm. And Icelandic people are basically, even though this is a different nation, but like a Swiss army knife. Mm-hmm. They have this, like everybody does multiple things. Mm-hmm. There isn't one person I know who doesn't have like a full-time job and also like- A side hustle. Uh, yeah. Right. Even if it's not that they're making money off it, it's just like something sure. they're really passionate about and they really want to do. Mm-hmm. And so that just always made me feel like, Okay, I'm going to, you know, also dabble in this type of atmosphere. For the work that I do, when I started listening to podcasts, I just started looking at YouTube videos and whatever else, like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out where to record. Mm -hmm. And I tried recording in my apartment, which has really high ceilings. Mm -hmm. And that just wasn't sounding good to me. I was really annoyed. And that's when I chanced upon this, you know, in your closet thing. And it was like, what? I tried it. And people have been like, what microphone do you use? I was like, it's not the microphone. It's the atmosphere. Right? And just this idea that your space can transform. And that has been really transformational for me. It's like thinking outside of the box, literally. Right. (laughs) And actually maybe putting yourself in a closet. 
but from there learning how to edit mm-hmm. and I do not consider myself an editing professional mm-hmm. but it's good enough sure and promotion so mm-hmm. like at most people when you have to do something for a living versus for yourself it is so difficult because now you're coming from a place where you're putting yourself out there mm-hmm. And that's been a process for me too, just like on Instagram or YouTube or even in the podcast, like mm-hmm. taking criticism. My first review was not a very good review. Really? This person was super harsh. And I was like, what a jerk. You know, like this wasn't even like good criticism. It was just like, I didn't like that she says, but I used to say something like, hello, language and culture lovers. Yes. That was like my in the beginning. And I've stopped doing that now. But at the time it was just like, if you don't fit into that, don't listen to it, right? Sure. Why do you have to leave a review that's critical of that particular line, right? Piece, right? Yeah, so it made me almost discouraged, but I was like, no, yeah. this person's opinions <laughs> don't matter as much. Right. And, you know, I tried to take out of that the criticism that I felt like could actually be useful. Sure. And that was like, I think about the sound or something like that. So I made some adjustments. But when it came to things like how I addressed the audience, I realized that I had to really mentally decide what I felt was necessary mm-hmm. and I felt good, you know, it was an authentic part of me mm-hmm. rather than someone's opinion. And then later on, a lot greater reviews came and, mm-hmm. and overall, like I have, thankfully, people enjoy the content and they feel like it's actually helping them. Right. But it was hard in the beginning to get this type of feedback yeah, where you're just like, you know, you're jarred because you're new and you've had a thinner skin. Sure. And, and now being on YouTube, that's helped me get a thicker skin. Oh, <laughs> YouTube yeah, people are, yeah, they come out with the knives. are terrible. Yeah. And it's just like, I've learned that blocking is my friend. Oh, like okay. When people say sure. things that are racist, sure. whatever, I even write in the comment, you're being blocked. Because I want other people to know that if you read a comment like that and you see my response, the response is you're not welcomed here. I'm not engaging with people who are going to say these disgusting things. So sure. just go on about your life. Go watch something else that's yeah. more appealing to you. Yeah. Um, so how has the YouTube aspect transformed your content making experience? Mm, yeah, it's been fascinating because I realize I have so many things I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Of course, as you can tell, I like talk. <laughs> But also how I present myself is different. Mm -hmm. And on the podcast, I'm very much more calm Mm -hmm. and mainly because I'm I'm in the closet, right? So that's the other thing is I don't have a lot of space to like go around and move my arms. And in interviews, it's just, that's just a really fun thing for me. So it's just talking and laughing and, you know, just expanding upon the topic. But when I'm by myself, I'm a lot more calmer in the closet. On YouTube, I know that there's the ability for me to kind of like let my personality run free. Mm-hmm. So I get to like joke around a lot more, or at least I, I have this freedom of mm-hmm. joking around a lot more. And one of my videos that's actually done the best is about eight strange habits of Icelandic people. Mm-hmm. And it's got like, I don't know, 150,000 views or something. Mm-hmm. And it's me just like talking about my observations, but making jokes at the same time, yeah. right? So making jokes about myself, making jokes about how this seems strange in the culture. And some people have really like are drawn to that sure. because they just want to have a good time. They want to be entertained. Right. They also want to learn something. Mm-hmm. So YouTube has become a space for me to experiment with allowing my personality to shine through. And okay. and also just video content is super fascinating. Yeah. Right? It's like you can be dynamic with shots of different places sure. or you could be just sitting in front of a camera talking to people. Right. And it amazes me that people want to sit, like watch you sit in front of a camera and just talk to them about something. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So now we come to the part of our discussion, which I call the mindset hack. 
So what's your favorite or innovative mindset hack that you can imagine or one that you actually know of? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd call this innovative, but mm-hmm. I definitely think it's a skill mm-hmm. that allows you to hack in life. Mm-hmm. And that is delegating and outsourcing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was a hard thing for me because I was just like, I know what I want and it has to be done right. And I was holding on to this idea that I won't be the only one to do it. And that was killing me, especially mm-hmm. with having a job that was really demanding. And when I started my new job, which I've been in since April, a lot of things really started to fall into place. Meaning like it's a very stressful job. I have mm-hmm. a lot that I have to do every day. I'm normally feeling like I'm sprinting around the office, right? Like going to a meeting, preparing for a meeting, answering emails, whatever. And sometimes I could be there quite late. So on top of that, having the podcast, wanting to put out videos, a lot of that stalled and I had to reevaluate my life. I had to reevaluate what was really important to me. And part of that was, okay, if I want to do this thing and have this job, how else can I get it done? I can't be the only one doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to learn how to delegate. I shifted also my work to and time at my job but mm-hmm. I had conversations with them and surprisingly they've been super supportive about me being like what if I decreased my time here so I could work on my podcast and they were like okay I've sure. worked hard to show right. my value so right. it's not like my job has to suffer but I also learned how to delegate better at work right so there's like in both sure. aspects of my professional right. pursuits have been this hack that honestly I mean yes and no it's a hack but at the same time if you don't do it correctly or if you don't know how to utilize your resources, you will be spinning your wheels, being exhausted, not getting sleep. Yeah. And that's exactly what was happening to me. Yeah. I was just sleeping less because right. I figured I need to get it done. What's a couple of years of sleeping less? Right. Which is <laughs> actually a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Your brain is being damaged. Yes. My yes. memory, I was on vacation for two weeks in November uh-huh. and my memory started like getting better. And yeah. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. This is what stress sleep, does. Exactly. And less and sleep, sleep deprivation. Right? So exactly. making a change that way was important. Okay. Um, but just in terms of outsourcing. Sure. Huge. So, so people say that often about the details of actually how you decide to outsource. Because mm-hmm. there's something that's very specific about being able to be comfortable. So how did you go about actually determining I can delegate this, that, the other? Mm-hmm. Like how did you sort through it all? The thing that I felt less passionate about doing I realized mm. what I needed to outsource mm-hmm. because that was taking away my joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of it Number was one. editing, right? Okay. And it's just like editing a podcast episode when I don't have the time. Sure. It sucks the soul out of me. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's the first thing to go. <laughs> so yeah. that's like, and that is something that someone else can really do. And I yeah. just needed to then figure out who that would be. Sure. So I went on Fiverr and I decided to test out a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And it was maybe, you know, whatever amount of money... It wasn't very expensive. I refused to pay a lot. Yeah, but it's a great tool. Yes. I've used it before too. Yeah. So that was, I think, the number one thing I asked myself. What is not bringing me joy here? Mm-hmm. And doing interviews, recording, all that stuff. Love it. Writing. Just coming up with the concepts. That's the stuff that I really love. Mm-hmm. And the editing part. If I had to get rid of something, that for sure was sure. First. So, yeah. Just thinking within yourself. What are you not enjoying? Cool. And if you're not enjoying doing the podcast, then maybe that's the thing that goes, right? Like, that's, <laughs> to be honest. Like, right. I didn't get into podcasting. Because I thought it was going to be a business. Honestly, I got into it because it's just, I really love Iceland and I want to share it from my perspective and also tap into these different individuals that have things to share that I think others might find fascinating, entertaining, useful. Mm-hmm. And it, I realized along the way that, wow, this could actually be something that I make money from. Mm-hmm. And I need to learn how to now shift it from just being a passion project to being 
a business, which is something I'm still figuring out mm. because again, I do this for other people every day, right? right? Meaning like at Pippa, I do this for other people. Yeah. But for myself, I'm learning how to allow myself to be mm-hmm. uh, sold, which sounds so hard. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, what it is. Yeah, exactly. service. Like yeah. <laughs> Very true. That's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Content is king actually now. Yeah. So how it's we can monetize powerful. it is actually where we're all headed. So I've loved our conversation. This has been great. And we probably have so much more to share, which I'm going to direct people to go to your podcast, to your website. Mm -hmm. So the podcast, again, and this will be in the show notes, is All Things Iceland. You can find more about Jules and from foreign to familiar. Even though I'm shifting it over to allthingsiceland.com soon, but it's still all relevant. But just think all things Iceland and you'll find everything. Mm -hmm. And it's all things Iceland on Instagram, Mm -hmm. also on YouTube. So you can find all things Iceland. (laughs) Very happy to answer questions. (laughs) Sure. Anyone has. It's a great primer for traveling to Iceland. So definitely check that out. In closing, I have just one question to ask you. What are you reading? Mm. What are some of the best reads that you've come across at this point? Yeah. And other uh, points in, in life? life. Yeah. yeah. So I'd say almost everything by Maya Angelou has been uh, okay. very impactful for me. Mm. I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings is one of those, like about her life, mm-hmm. that it moved me in ways. I, I remember I was getting like a little bit more sassy after <laughs> Because I, I listened to the audiobook in sure. her voice. Ah, and yeah. yeah, and so it was just like, I feel like it just brought out of me this idea that where you come from doesn't have to dictate where you're going. But at the same time, it supports how you get there because mm-hmm. you're using all of these tools, you're using all your experiences mm-hmm. to help you pave your own way in life. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to mean that you're restricted to being the specific individual. Me being from Bushwick, no one would assume that I'd end up in Iceland, right? There's this idea. If you're from Bushwick today, they might. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's true. Everyone in Bushwick at this point who is not from Bushwick but lives in Bushwick has probably already been to Iceland. Right. (laughs) But a native person from Bushwick, most of them have either been pushed to the fringes of society to find somewhere else to live. Maybe they moved to the Bronx, who knows, Mm -hmm. just in terms of affordability. But the perception of a lot of the people that they embodied and who they could be, mm-hmm. it's changed now. But back then, it was pretty restricted to what you yeah. felt like you were worthy of. Right. And I think that, for me, has been this idea of Maya Angelou grew up in poverty and where she skyrocketed to. Same thing with Oprah. Like, these people, Michelle Obama, right? Like, right. these are the people that are becoming, of course, sure. read that. Like, I'm, yeah. you know, these are impactful stories of women who are extremely determined. Mm-hmm. They're persistent. They're consistent. Mm-hmm. They're talented. And they don't take no for an answer. Right. For them, it's, okay, door closed. That's an opportunity lost for those people. Right. I'm creating opportunities over here sure. and I bring others with me. Yep. It's not just me on my own. It's part of a community. Right. And I stand on the, you know, shoulders of my ancestors and that mm-hmm. always like moves me because I think about even my dad. Like he would have never imagined me being in a place like this. And he would have loved it, right? So I get a chance to kind of like move our not community, but just like the perception of our people in some way sure. along in a different way and, and just show that you can go on a glacier, you can 
go hiking. Like all this stuff is a part of us Mm -hmm. and nature is a part of us. Mm -hmm. And so we should embrace these things and not feel like we're restricted just because of the way that we look. Yeah. Lovely. Jules, it's been so wonderful meeting you. Thank you for making time for this Local Citizens conversation. So Local Citizens, that's all for this episode of Local Citizens. Thanks again for joining us. As always, you can find us at glocalcitizenspod.com as well as on Apple or Google Podcasts and wherever you find podcasts. So until next time, see you soon.